Hi, my name is Juliette, and I'm the host for this podcast. I will be ordained as a rabbi this coming January, and one of the things I love about Judaism is connecting the Torah reading with contemporary life. In Judaism, there's a specific Torah portion or reading that we read every for every week of the year, and as we go through these readings week by week, in order from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the Jewish year to the end, we analyze the stories and we comment on them. By connecting them to contemporary life, this is how these stories come alive. These are ancient stories, and this is one of my great passions. I hope you'll accompany me as I tell these stories of Torah and of my life and the lives of others. And if you miss an episode, you can always go back and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for coming on this ancient journey with me. And please visit my website, lenegditamid.us. That's L-N-E-G-I-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D dot us. It's there in the link. There's a link there. Just go, go. I know it's a long name. Okay. Anyway, please visit my website to learn more about me and my journey through Judaism. I'm available to lead services, chanting circles for weddings, funerals, b'nai mitzvahs, any kind of transitions. And um, your donation and support for this work is very much appreciated. So on to today's, on to today's, um, today's blog, today's podcast episode. Yes, I have a blog of the same thing, but here you get to hear me talking about it. Anyway, here we go. The True Judge, Vayelech, and Yom Kippur. Um, I always I always approach the holidays not knowing what it will what they will bring. I mean, I think that's true for everybody in general. We never know whenever any holiday comes along. We may become full of angst and and worry. How, what's it going to be like? What do we have to do? What, what you know all the preparations. But every year I approach the holy days, wondering and looking for something special that might happen. And this year, something happened on the very first night of Rosh Hashanah. There had been a kind of a sadness, um, especially for me and my younger daughter, for different reasons. For me, it was around my mother and forgiveness. Forgiveness is a common theme of the holy days, of the high holy days, as you may know. And I was having a lot of feelings of guilt. I'd been hearing uh, you know, podcasts and stories. And somehow, even in the non-Jewish world, this was coming up in my life a lot. Um, uh, and, and I was feeling really guilty about disconnecting from her at the end of her life. And these feelings really filled my heart. And my house was filled with the delicious smells of Rosh Hashanah food. I had worked so hard to prepare. Oh, but then soon before lighting the candles, my younger daughter had arrived already. Everything was set up. The table was set. It was beautiful. And then suddenly I went into this kind of panic and I was having literal pain around my heart. And I went into my room and I cried and, and it helped me calm down, but it didn't take the pain away. And then I was like, okay, I heard, I heard goings on in the living room. I didn't know if my older daughter, no, she hadn't arrived yet, but I was like, I got I got to go out there. So I was like, all right, pull yourself together, ignore the pain, 
just move on. And so I went to greet, not moving on, but, you know, just like, just sink into it and allow whatever is happening to happen. And I, I went to greet my daughters and, and um, this transition happened for me, though, soon after when we all stood around the candles and we had four, four candles lit for each of us, one flame for each person. So there were four candles burning really brightly. And my younger daughter, who had shared her pain with me, with us earlier, before our older daughter came, um, she kind of, I don't know, we all ended up holding hands. I can't remember who did it, who started it, but we lit the candles and then we held our hands standing around the candles and it was like this almost closed circle that, well, it was a closed closed circle with the candles as if the candles were almost another person or another energy coming in. I, I'm sorry if this sounds really woo-woo, but whatever, that was what I felt. And and my younger daughter said, she, 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 she's so wise, she's so young, she's always been, and I have to take to take a little bit of credit for her for her like she gave this intention for allowing for the pain um I, I definitely have to take some credit for that but <laughs> anyway she is very mature and very wise for her age at 22 and in that moment looking at the candles burning in front of us this circle felt like it was like this broken link had been repaired and and then we invited in the light and then of course we said the blessings and we sat down and we blessed the new year and each other and suddenly I noticed at some point that the pain in my chest just disappeared and I think it was right after we sat down and we started talking or maybe we had started singing, I'm not sure, but I suddenly noticed very soon after we sat down that the pain had gone. And then we held hands and we cried. It was like incredible. My older daughter didn't want to let go of my hand or my husband's hand. It was so beautiful. And we cried in gratitude for having made it through COVID alive. And although the pandemic is not over, it was a real Shechianu, uh, Shechianu moment. Thank you for bringing us to this season again. And then the next two days brought more singing out in the park, some with a minion, and, but mostly it was at home where that happened for, for me. It was like filling our home with, with singing. And the sadness continued for in different degrees, for different reasons, and and it was mixed with joy and of course lots of good food and then and then i had to transition to do transition to jury duty so this was a whole other thing and i had the privilege of seeing the inside of this beautiful grand old courthouse with its columns and its painted vaulted ceilings a very powerful symbol as i was walking towards the municipal building i think that's what it was before i got to the courthouse of our great American democracy and it's meant to fill us with awe and boy did it being inside that building I wasn't the only one looking around and going like wow 
I don't think I'd ever been inside this building. And as I was just backing, backing up a little bit, as I was walking, I passed a man wearing a large sign that just said, can the schools just teach children to read? And then I passed some people with a huge banner calling out our city's heritage of corruption among our, our neighbors. And I was, as I was waiting online to get into the courthouse with all the other potential jurors, a man on a bicycle at the bottom of the stairs, far away, because the stairs are really big and long, and it's like, it's very grand. There's a man on a bicycle at the, top, at the bottom of the stairs, and he started screaming out to us or at us. I couldn't tell which one it was. When will it be enough? How much is too much? And I kind of shook my head and it was funny. It was a funny moment because I was both taking pictures of this grandness around me and also hearing this truth spoken and wondering, like, is this guy, like, would I agree with him if I talked to him? Is he a conspiracy theorist? Or is he just stating the truth? Like, when will it be enough? How much is too much? And how has our democracy quote-unquote, our democracy, failed us. And so, yeah, here I was taking pictures and posting them on Instagram and other people around me. I don't know what they were thinking. But after that, the day was kind of uneventful other than worrying about getting assigned to a case. I sat in this really big, beautiful room with all these amazing paintings, original paintings from like I don't know, you know, 50 to 100 years ago, more like probably 100 years old. And we didn't get called until late in the afternoon. I got to go to Chinatown. I hadn't been to Chinatown since the pandemic, I think, which was kind of interesting. And um, anyway, as we were shuffled into a courtroom, and I felt like that. I felt like we were being shuffled from here to there and, you know, like good little sheep, you know, all being pushed along. And at the same time, all I could think about was how to let the judge know that I would be observing Yom Kippur and I couldn't be on a case. Well, in the end, I never had to get that far. I never had to talk about Yom Kippur. First, he asks a question about, you know, does anybody recognize anyone here in the courtroom? No, okay, yeah, one one guy stands up and you're like, okay, is he just pretending? Is he trying to get out of this? Oh, this definitely would interfere with my ability to. But I was like kind of awed by his ability to get up by himself and be an outlier and just and and state clearly, yes, this would interfere with my I have a judgment about this person already. And and he leaves. And then um, the judge, you know, he's introduced this criminal case. It's a criminal case. And he gives a little speech about our service and about bias and judging fairly based on the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, all the stuff that you get when you go to jury duty. And we stood up to, to vow with our right hand that we would be truthful in all our answers. And yeah, I told the story of the man before I told you this part, but <laughs> of the man who stood up as an outlier which was, which was interesting. And, and then I was like wondering, okay, when is going to be my chance to say, this is not okay. Like I'm, I can't do this. Not only for Yom Kippur, but am I going to have a chance to say, I don't really, 
I don't really have um, trust in our criminal justice system with all the, you know, this, this pipeline that we have to, to prison um, for black and brown people. I'll just say it. So that first question, then the second question. And then I kind of froze. I heard, based on religious belief, does anyone here feel they do not have the right to judge another person? And I sat there. It was like, oh, my God, my heart started pounding. And I wrestled with this unexpected question. I'm sure I've heard this question before, but I I didn't even think of it. And I was thinking, like, did I? Oh, my God. Do, do I believe that? Is that something that Christians can say? Is that something that Jews can say? Is my Jewishness enough? Would, would they even believe me if I said, well, it's because I'm Jewish? Would they ask me if I was Jewish? Do I have to be an outlier now? Uh, should I be wearing some special garb to show it? Should I have worn my yarmulke? I mean, all of these thoughts were going through my head. And of course, it was like a split second. And, and, I, and I was also thinking like, oh, but my beliefs do come from my Jewish practice, which has been to catch myself when I'm judging someone and to try to put myself in, in their shoes. I mean, I ask myself, what do I know about their life? What do I know about their circumstances? Who am I to judge? Who am I? And there was just silence all around me. I don't hear anything. So before I could even decide whether to be the outlier here, the judge of this courtroom moved on. Speaking of judges. And he said, he asked, who among us felt they could not judge a police officer's testimony fairly? And, oh, that was, that was an easy one. I had stated this in the past as an outlier the last time I went for jury duty. And I'd actually stood up alone and said, I don't trust the criminal justice system. And it was hard, but I had done it. And so I'm staring at the floor and I'm still wrestling with my feelings around the first question and thinking like, oh my God, am I going to be the only one to raise my hand now? about police officers and I start to slowly raise my hand and then I see this woman next to me out of the corner of my eye see that she's raising her hand so I raise my hand I I gathered strength and I raised my hand and then I looked up and I saw that all these people were raising their hands it was almost like did, did everybody gather strength because of each other I don't know but it was an incredible moment and then the judge said, okay, all, all of you stand and line up over here. And he dismissed us one by one. What an incredible moment it was. And then of course, on the elevator, on the way to the elevator, I I said to somebody, usually when I go to jury duty, it's funny. I, I meet people when I go to jury duty, I talk to people, but this time I it was, I don't know, maybe because it was pretty empty. There weren't that many of us. We were in this huge room. I don't know. I didn't meet anybody until that very last moment. And um, and I said to this guy, I was like, that was interesting, huh? You know, after we were like, do we get to go home? Whatever. Don't we have, do we have to report to that room that the woman told us before? All the confusion around jury duty and when you get dismissed and whatever. And you want to follow the rules because it's like, you know, this is a... This is, this is the law. (laughs) 
And so I say to the guy, like, that was really interesting. So many people raised their hands. So many people. And he said, yeah, interesting times. Interesting times. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are a lot about forgiveness and recognizing the true judge. They're all about making ourselves small and allowing for vulnerability. They're about facing our potential death, asking forgiveness, especially Yom Kippur, facing our potential death. We, we dress in a white shroud, imitating the shroud that we, we will be buried in. Um, if we don't have a shroud, if we don't have a kittle, then we, then we, we wear white clothes. And we vow, we vow all day long, we beg and we vow to live from a place of awareness of our actions and our thoughts in the coming year. Please help me change. Please let me change. And I want to say too much browbeating can be harmful, but this is an opportunity, if we don't think of it that way, this is an opportunity to put things and ourselves into perspective, into the perspective of something much greater. It's about gratitude for having had more time in the past year and recognizing that that moment, right? Like we are in a new time, Shechianu. We have arrived at this season and vowing not to squander the future. The Torah reading that transitions, transitions us into Yom Kippur this week is Vayelech. Moses tells the people again that he's about to die. And God reminds Moses again too that Moses is about to die. And God and Moses both pass on the message to Joshua and to who's going to take over and and to the people. I think it's also kind of to the people. Do not be afraid for you are not alone. And God has Moses write down a song for the people, a poem, Shira. It's a, but it's translated as a poem, a Sefer HaTorah, it's written there, a written teaching to place beside the Ark of the, of the Covenant. And this written teaching will be, get this, it will be a witness to the people when they stray in the future. As we approach Yom Kippur, some of us may need to forgive. We may... Let me start again. As we approach Yom Kippur, some of us may need another person, someone else, to forgive us. Some of us may need to forgive ourselves. Some of us may need to have another person witness our stumbling and gently support us as we grow. And we may also ask for the world, for our country, How much is too much and when will it be enough? But even as we do these things, we can know that we are not outliers. We are not alone. I wish you a meaningful Yom Kippur, a meaningful fast, Shabbat Shuvah, good Shabbos, good Yantif, and may it all be meaningful. And may you find, may we all find those moments when we feel like something happens, something changes. Thanks, and I'll talk to you after the holiday. Bye.